Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It is day 138 here in the Zen Room. We Isn't are it supposed to be warmer by day 138? Well, it is warmer. Good. <laughs> we are now in episode 37 of our wonderful podcast. My name is Patrick Finn, and you've already heard from the ebullient Tommy Gibbons. Hey, bitches. How are you today, Tommy? Cranky. Uh, obviously. I'm complaining cranky. about the weather already, huh? Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. day today. I'm cranky. Because it went from zero to hot. It suddenly became hot. And I know. Got very and then warm it, out now. Then it, today is 20 degrees cooler than... Yes, I, I'm cranky. <laughs> yes, That's okay. I I'm okay, cranky. I can see this being one of those episodes it's, tonight. You know, I'm, I'm going to try the best I can to, uh, not, to, to, to go, to do. You'll be in my thoughts and prayers. Oh. <laughs> you got to go right at the beginning. You got to poke the bear. Of right course. At the of course. Day 138. <laughs> Yes. So it should be springtime. Yes. It seems very ve- spring-like to me. I mean, I spent this past weekend We're finishing up most of my this. planting and You're stuff. You're going to have to edit Why? This because of the screaming teapot. Oh, just a screaming teapot. That's no big deal. By which I mean, by which I don't mean Stephen. <laughs> uh, no, it was a shitty spring. Come on. I'm walking past. I'm um, like. Yeah, uh, so we. I gotta say, March and April were, were bad months spring wise. April, April was like a repeat of like March weather. It was just very rainy and windy. With, with parts of November thrown in. Yeah, right. Since I know. When is the spring supposed to be this blustery? But I now don't. it's been very. It's been quite warm out the past week or two. You know, we've had our periods of rain, of course, like any other time, but it's been generally warmer than it has been, yeah, so I'm I, thankful for that. I wish there were more flowers. Oh, there seem to be plenty, although my seeds haven't taken yet, which I'm kind of upset about. I planted a whole bunch of delphinium and what the hell are the other seeds? The uh, aranthus, I think we planted. The aranthus. The foxglove. The sunflowers are coming up, actually. The sunflowers sprouts we're already getting. But you're thinking, you only planted those a week ago. Yeah, I know. So most of the, the seedlings are... 14 to 18 day germination. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but by fin time, they're already late. <laughs> That's right. What <laughs> kind of crazy person expects something after a week? Oh, we also did four o'clocks. Yeah, oh, that's right. Four o'clocks also we planted. It's a seed. Yes, Give I Give it a second. <laughs> no. Unless it's a human seed, in which case, immediately. Yeah. Good. But that was pretty much it for my weekend, was just working on planting, and yeah. Good and for how you. How was your weekend? I worked like I work every weekend. And was it a good weekend of work? It was a a busy, difficult weekend at work. Why was it difficult? It, there was just a lot of uh, moving parts. Andy. Okay. So it was um, took a second, but you know what? The thing is, I think it takes me longer to recover physically now from a hard day's work. Really? Like, like a physical day's work like that. Okay. Maybe you need to exercise more. Maybe you need to go fuck yourself with. <laughs> I can't even think of awful enough things. <laughs> Exercise will actually give you more energy. Okay. Yeah. That's good advice. Yes, it is. Are you going to follow it? Are you going to sit there and smile at me like an idiot until I get up and do time? <laughs> Jump <Yeah>. jacks? <laughs> push-ups. Give me ten right now. Well, fuck yourself. Ten push-ups. Anyway, we are now going to move on to our first segment. Let's see if you can guess it from the sound effect. It's heavy petting. Wait, play heavy petting. You want to hear heavy petting again? I want to hear heavy petting. Okay. I'm going to do this. 
Uh, yeah, I guess. Y- yeah, you guess. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, it had nothing to do with dogs. No, but it's about heavy petting, so I figured that's what would be appropriate. And now we're going to talk about the dog. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. <laughs> Have you ever had your dog defend you from another animal, Thomas? No. Never? Uh, no. Never def- had to defend you from some kind of attack or anything? No. Really? Nothing at all? Patrick, I <laughs> I grew up in Nassau County. <laughs> Okay, I, I currently ask. live in Suffolk County, Illinois. Those are the, the times I had animals. Okay. True, there are some wild turkey and some deer out on the easterner ends of Long Island. I don't usually go there with my dog off leash. We actually saw turkey vultures over in Farmingdale not too long ago. Yeah. Those are right. You don't see them up here. Usually they're down in Jersey. Well, here we are. So, yes. but yeah, no, he's never asked. To, uh, not, uh, no, neither no, is Ab. I mean, Abigail acts to defend me whenever anybody approaches us. You know, she gets her guard up and starts barking at people until they acknowledge her. You know. Okay, so that's he did about that today, it. But now he to put to to put his to put his body in between me and danger. No. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a story of a woman whose dog did do exactly that and saved her from a cougar. Okay. She was out in Northern California. She was out walking her dog by uh, Trinity River, they said, and she was with her two and a half year old Belgian Malinois, which looks like a very trim German Shepherd. And she walked a few yards ahead when a mountain lion lunged and swiped at her, scraping her left shoulder through her jacket. Oh, dear. Right? The dog, immediately weighing 55 pounds, barreled into the cougar and started fighting with it, but eventually the cougar got a hold of the dog's head and started dragging it into the further into the woods. So the woman, she had already been attacking the cougar, and the cougar was kicking, fighting back with her back paws. The woman went and got her tire iron. She found a passerby who grabbed a PVC pipe and pepper spray, and they attacked the cougar with that. The pepper spray seemed to work, and it released the dog and took off. Wow, so, that is drama. Right? So the woman, thankfully, only had superficial scratches. She had nothing really major, no major injuries. The dog on the other hand, had two skull fractures, a punctured sinus cavity, and severe damage to her left eye. It had seizures on the drive to the veterinarian, but stabilized overnight, and she was in guarded condition. You know, okay. That occurred this past Monday. Monday. Today's Wednesday? Today is Wednesday. We don't know how the dog is yet. No, no. No further word. This, this is, is this a is, cliffhanger. This was only reported today, so... Wow, that's yeah. dramatic. Right, isn't that? That's... I can't imagine having to go through something like that. My God. No, no, that's awful. I mean, yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, on Long Island here, I mean, there, yes, there are some wild animals in the area, but. Deer. Yeah, but they generally don't attack people, you know? No, it's the people you gotta watch out for. Yeah, I know, exactly, right? I know, people take their dogs to places. You know, yep. like people go camping and they take their dog. People travel in a little square box across the country and they take their dog. And yeah. maybe some people's come across mountain lions on their daily walk but, i don't know but maybe, i've never been in the, you know in that kind of position no nor have i okay <laughs> thank lucky, god but there are other people who do yeah okay so i'd suggest i don't know carry a big stick with you if you're gonna walk with your dog in such an, an area with wild animals how are you know? giving advice to people who uh, how are you doing this with my glass of wine yes it helps yes it does <laughs> yeah <laughs> But sometimes people need common sense reminders about stuff, you know? you are here to do it. Exactly. Okay. (laughs) 37 episodes in, I finally realize what the fuck we're doing. All right. I am Eliza. 
You're Eliza? Yes. Eliza Doolittle? Yes. <laughs> Doolittle is so appropriate you for you. You intend to be. More like Alfred Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but don't worry about being on time. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> don't don't definitely worry. Definitely not. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. I feel very unresolved. Many happy oh. returns. <laughs> okay, so A hold very on. Very happy birthday. Oh, we're gonna happy put... birthday to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it's today's birthdays. Oh God. Why well, are you not ready to move on from heavy petting? I was. I felt like. I felt like we left it unresolved. Anyway, as you know, we have been observing Jewish American Heritage Month both here on the podcast and on our. Facebook and Twitter feeds, observing various birthdays of various Jewish Americans each day. Can I hear the last sound effect? The last the one? The last one, because I was talking over it. Yeah, well, that's what you usually do anyway. Yeah, well, you tell me it's coming, and I'll shut up, but I didn't know it was coming. <laughs> okay. So I was talking over it, and I didn't hear what it was. Then shut up. Go ahead. Happy birthday. Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday and many happy returns. With love on your birthday. <laughs> Congratulations and a happy birthday. This is not all one cue, Congratulations right? It's all many one. happy returns. Happy you birthday. intend to stop it along the way, right? <laughs> yes. Starting the middle but I just figure I'd play the whole cut for you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> don't, don't assume things like that. Okay. That could be fun. That's a lot of editing. Yes, yes. To take each one out by itself. Well, we don't have to. I'll just run a few of them each time, but I will run the whole cut. I just did that for your sake. All right, go ahead. Anyway, as we've said, we've been talking about Jewish American Heritage Month, and our first birthday celebrant, of course, is Jewish, born May 18th, 1904, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. He attended night school at Columbia University and then NYU Law School. He was admitted to the bar in 1927 and formed a uh, law partnership with his older brother. He was married in 1933, but divorced three years later. He married again in 1947 and had three children. He joined the Republican Party in the 1930s. During World War II, he served in the Army, reaching the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. He was elected to Congress in 1946, alongside freshman Congressman John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. Oh, dear. He served in Congress until 1954 when he ran for New York State Attorney General. He was then elected to the U.S. Senate in 1956. He was considered the most liberal Republican in the Senate. He was pro-union, he was anti-discrimination, and he wanted health insurance for his state employees. Now, what did he get? Hmm, he, that, uh, that all came about, the health insurance. Okay, good for him. He voted in favor of the four Civil Rights Acts from 1957 to 1968. All right. He voted for the 24th Amendment, which ended the poll tax. Okay. He voted for the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Good for him. By 67, he opposed the Vietnam War, and in 1973, he sponsored the War Powers Act. That allows a president to send troops out for 60 days before he needs congressional approval. Who was the president at the time? In 73, that would have been um, Gerald Ford. And this guy is a Republican you're talking about? Yes. Birthday day? Yep. Okay, go ahead. During the Watergate scandal, he felt that Nixon was innocent until proven guilty, which cost him during his 
1974 re-election, which he did still win. He was also, yes, he sponsored the first African-American Senate page in 1965 and the first female page in 1971. He played a major role in uh, creating legislation which protected people's pensions and created the National Endowment of the Arts. He was diagnosed with ALS in 1979, and this led to a primary challenge by our very own Long Island, Alphonse D'Amato. Where he was, he was, he was primary because of his diagnosis? Yeah, he figured that, D'Amato figured that was a weakness against him that he shouldn't be running again. Really? Yeah. Javits ran, I just said his name. He ran. Jacob Javits. Jacob Javits, yes. Damn it. He, but he then ran on the Liberal Party line. It sounds which, like he should have Which pulled that. votes away from the Democratic candidate, Liz Holtzman, and that allowed D'Amato to win by a 1% margin. Dr. Oz won by less than that in yep. Pennsylvania. Javits died at the age of 81 from ALS in 1986, and he is buried in Queens. He received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1983, and of course, the Jacob Javits Convention Center was named in his honor in 1986. Yeah. So to Jacob Javits, we say... Okay. <laughs> Once was enough. You Thank sure? You. I just want to make sure you heard it loud and clear. I vary it both. <laughs> Our next birthday celebrant is also dead. Good. He was born and May 18th. He was Good. born May 18th, 1897, in a village near Palermo in Italy, the son of a fruit grower. Fruit grower. He emigrated to the United States at age five and settled in Los Angeles. After graduating college in 1918, he briefly served in the Army, but was discharged when he contracted the Spanish flu. He became a naturalized citizen in 1920. He bummed around San Francisco for a few years doing odd jobs, including directing a 30-minute documentary at age 24. He applied for a job at a San Francisco film studio and was soon directing One Real Silent Film. He eventually began working for the fledgling studio Columbia Pictures. Martin Scorsese. Nope. And he directed 20 films for the studio, most of them classics. Among them was 1934's It Happened One Night, which won the top five Oscars, Best Picture, Best Director, Actor, Actress, and Adapted Screenplay, the first film to do so. Wow. He also directed 1936's Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, starring Gary Cooper and Gene Arthur. Did he for- change his name? Nope for which he won uh, the his second Best Director Oscar. In 1938, he directed You Can't Take It With You, starring Gene Arthur, Jimmy Stewart, and Lionel Barry- Barrymore, winning his third Best Director Oscar, and the film also won Best Picture. In 1939, he directed Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, starring Jimmy Stewart, Gene Arthur, and Claude Rains, which won the Best Story Oscar. That uh, Oscar doesn't exist anymore. This is like... The history of Hollywood. Pretty much. Which leads me to Billy Wilder. No, but, but you're on I the right track. Stuck on the you're name. on the right track. He also directed 1941's Meet John Doe, starring Gary Cooper. 1944's Arsenic and Old Lace with Cary Grant. My God. During World War II, he was commissioned as a major in the Army, and he worked in the Morale Division, where he made a series of films called the Why We Fight series which was made to boost the morale of our soldier, of our sailors and soldiers. Another immigrant. He was an immigrant, he yes. Was an, he came week, here at age five. Last week we were talking about Irving Berlin. Yep. And all now this is another immigrant. Is another immigrant. Go ahead. 
1946, he founded Liberty Films, but only made two films under the studio. The first one was 1946's It's a Wonderful Life. Oh my god. Which received five Oscar nominations, including Best Director. And 1948's State of the Union, starring Spencer Tracy and Katherine Hepburn. Oh I just watched that movie recently. Great movie. Is it really? It's really, really good. What is his fucking name? It's not Mankiewicz. Nope, nope, nope. He, he's known for his... They would use his, his last name and say it was Korn, his movies. Think of a Zodiac sign. His last Hollywood film was 1961's Capra. Pocket Full of Miracles. It's yes, Capra. Frank Capra. He finally got it. Wow. <laughs> In the 1950s, he made a series of science-related films for private industry, including one of my favorite little films when I was a kid in school, 1957's Hemo the Magnificent. Hemo. Yes. H-E-M-O. The, the magnificent. magnificent. It was about the circulatory system in blood. Hemoglobin. Yep. It was part of the Bell System Science Series. Bell. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar. Okay. It's a, when I was a kid, that was like a big thing you saw in science class. Well, color film was a big thing. That, that was color. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, in 1982, he was given the... American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award. He was president of the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences four times, and president of the Directors Guild three times. All from, like, dancing on tables and gay bars to this. Who? Frank Capra. Who are you talking about? Who? Why was he dancing in gay bars? That's what you said in the beginning in 1920. No, I didn't. I mentioned nothing about... Nothing about him dancing in a jockstrap and boots on a cube. No, I don't To make his way through... No, no. I said he did odd jobs Bad. while he was in San Francisco. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. He danced on cubes. Okay, if you want to believe that. To early discourse. Anyway, he was a conservative Republican who opposed FDR and the New Deal, and he later opposed the Vietnam War as well. He was married twice. He had a daughter and three sons by his second marriage. One son and two of his grandsons and still work in the film industry. I bet he slept with Brando. Who? Frank Capra. What makes you think Frank Capra is gay? Huh? Never mind. Let's continue. Go ahead. I can't wait for the where next did you sound get this? Where did you get this idea <laughs> that Frank Capra was gay? That's never been rumored anywhere. Are you sure? Yes. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Well, you're very upset by it. <laughs> Considering like, this is the Zen room. are you coming with this? Come here. All right. Oh, my God. Come on. Anyway, Capra died of a heart attack in his sleep at age 91. Oh. Wow. That was in 1991. And he was 81. What did I say? 91? Died of a heart attack in sleep at age 91. Unless in I, 91. Unless I typed wrong. I don't know. It's possible. Anyway, yeah, I think I got the date. Then yeah, whatever. But yeah. anyway, Mr. Capper, we want to say no, not that. <laughs> to you, Mr. Capper. <laughs> we now move on to today in history. Do you like that one? The sound effect is good. The spooky voice don't match it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you got to go a more up, up, uh, proper, you know, today in history. Hey, well, well, you want me to try it again? Yes. Okay, I'll try it again. You'll see. And now it's time for... 
Day in History! Okay, how are we doing gay history? <laughs> okay, so hold on. Do, do, give me the Masterpiece Theater guy. Oh, you want Alice the Cook. Alice the Cook. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Today in History. That goes with the clock. <laughs> I'll remember that for future episodes. Okay, thank you. One needed a disco ball. The other one needed a fucking circus ball. Nice. Alistair Cook. Is that his name? Alistair Cook, yeah. Alistair Cook. Alistair Cook. Anyway, today, May 18th, in the year 2000... You think anybody ever called him Al? Probably not. Was it always Alistair? Oh, look, Alistair's here. I can't see anyone calling him Al. Yo, Al. <laughs> Al <laughs> Cook. <laughs> Yo, Al Cook, the Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> we got some Shakespeare up in here for you tonight. Oh, tonight's upstairs, downstairs. <laughs> oh, man, we got a juicy episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, see, it could be anything. You got to ask. <laughs> ask. See, I'm stuck in it now. But we digress. Today, on the year 2000, this play opened off-Broadway at the Union Square Theater. The Fantastics. No, it was written by Moises Kaufman and members of the Tectonic Theater Project. Oh, it, was it, well, it's Laramie? It, you, you got it's one word of it. The, the Laramie Project. The Laramie Project is correct. I couldn't get my head around it not being the Oscar Wilde to three trials. Oh, Gross Indecency. Yeah, 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 yeah The other yeah. Moises Kaufman play. No, yeah, this is, this is uh, Laramie. This is the Laramie Project. For those of you don't, who don't know, the Laramie Project recounts the story of a gay <laughs> University of Wyoming student named Matthew Shepard in Laramie, Wyoming in 1998. And the play recounts the murder and the subsequent trial and the media coverage and the effect that this had on the city's residents. And the script is based primarily on interviews with all the residents and other people connected with the story, as well as the actors' own journal uh, entries from, from being in Laramie and covering all this. The play consists of 60 roles performed by eight actors. HBO did a film adaptation of it in 2002, so you can probably find it uh, streaming somewhere. Which was actually pretty good. Yeah, actually, I was very impressed at how good that was. There was also a, a companion play which came out 10 years later, appropriately titled Laramie Project 10 Years Later, which recounted events in the town during uh, the 10 years after the trial and everything. Of course, the play has inspired grassroots efforts to combat homophobia. After seeing the play... New Jersey resident Dean Walton was inspired to donate more than 500 books and other media to the University of Wyoming's Rainbow Resource Center. Today, that campus office holds the largest queer library in the state of Wyoming. Okay. So, that's pretty good inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you know what this piece means to me. I, knew, um... I was in the play. I was in the play. I, I was in a production of it. I, I had to play Fred Phelps at one point. <laughs> well, which is a great role. It is a great role, but it's not one I <laughs> can't repeat too often, you know? I don't know. I remember Matthew Shepard. I remember the crime. I remember no, me it too. I remember I was horrified, and then... We lived through all this, you know? I got an opportunity. I, I never forget. To me, that, like, October 6th to 12th is Holy Week. That's when that man was tied to the fence. That was when he was beaten and died. Yep. Left to die on the fence. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to like self-edit here because <laughs> I directed the show twice, but the show was not a, 
it was always more personal to me than than what was on the page. Yes, it is. Well, it is. It, be, it becomes a personal play. I mean, especially of our generation. You know, we've lived through so much in our generation. The only thing that that I remember, and not to say that it's the first or the last, but the next that proved to me that nothing was ever going to change was Pulse. Oh, the Pulse Master. Pulse was bad. Yes. Pulse, Pulse was bad. Yep. But this this thing, this Matthew Shepard thing, no, this was... I mean, the whole nation God. was struck by this story. It was I, just Yeah, it was, it was one of those you couldn't take your face away from it. it was, yeah. It was just awful. Yeah. I mean, we could move on. We could do, an, I know. We could do a whole episode of I Matthew know, Shepard. Exactly. I you know. I, Bottom line is, if we get a chance to see the play see or to the watch play, the movie... Watch the movie. Please do. I believe no American child should get through high school without seeing either the movie or a live production of this play. Agreed. Or Anne Frank. Yes, agreed. So with that, take and do with that as you will, which is probably nothing, you bitches. And let's move on. Uh, so congratulations. I don't want to ruin your bit, so go ahead and do whatever you, whatever you were planning to do. It's our next segment. Yes, it's what day is it? <laughs> okay. How did you like that one? <laughs> when I said sound effects, <laughs> I did not mean dance numbers. I meant sound effects, a crashing <coughs> bolt of lightning, or uh, the, the clock, the ticking clock. I, I thoroughly enjoyed especially when you finally got the reading now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's not a sound effect. I know that, but it's the best I could do for what day is it? Now, is it really, Patrick? Yes, is it, it is. is. That was the best you could do. That was the best I could do, okay. I swear. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm going to believe you. <laughs> So, go ahead. What's today in history? Today? No, we already did today in history. Today is National HIV Vaccine Awareness Day. Okay. Today to recognize the thousands of people who are working together to find a safe and effective HIV vaccine. Okay. Not that I don't support this. It just seems like the ultimate participation trophy. How so? Because as much as... I want the HIV vaccine to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should be given a day okay. until it becomes a thing. Okay. It's sort of the same thing with the abortion. But issue. the idea of promoting awareness about the need for a vaccine will hopefully increase the chances and likelihood of finding a vaccine. Of there becoming one. No, the only thing that's going to prevent that would be brain drain or money. Okay? So... HIV awareness day? Is there, is no, there this any, is HIV no, vaccine, vaccine awareness day. Uh, if it was vaccine yet to be awareness day, if it were... See, this is... the, the Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy with that. I think it's completely unnecessary. Okay. There's an HIV awareness day, which the awareness of HIV brings you to. Holy shit, they don't have a vaccine for that yet. Maybe we should get on that. Oh, my right. God, look, people are doing that. Let's give some money. But this is a day to applaud the people who are working on a vaccine. 
Okay. And, and, and I don't and, begrudge them. And they're anything. having strides. I mean, when you think of where oh, you God. were back in the beginning when the only medication was AZT. You can't even, you can't even Which compare. was poison to so many people. To now where we have the protease inhibitors and the whole retroviral drug therapy. The only problem with the retrovirals is that it attacks the active virus. It doesn't attack the dormant virus. And that seems to be the biggest obstacle in finding a vaccine. Well... Yes, so they've what they've what they've discovered is this undetectable thing, mm-hmm. which is that the they can medicate you to a point where the virus they they can't find the virus in any medical test that they have, any right. blood test that they currently have. Right. All of the ones that got, they they can't uh, find it through the normal testing. Yeah, right through no, yeah. But okay. if they go looking for it, then they find some if they, in the if DNA they're go of these for cells. Where this could stop, or what was is meant to stop, is that they have also found out that people who have reached that point where their the viral load is undetectable yep in their uh when they reach that and sustain that those people are not considered hiv risks okay for transmission right okay doesn't mean you should change any of the safe sex habits it's just one of those because i had to look it up right you is you equals you, you equals you u equals you could you look it up now you got me your cumbumble flubble. I don't know. Come bumble flubble. It's easy, God. Cumbumble flubble. C-O-M. Equals. B-U-M. Plus. Equals. U. F-U-D-D-L-E. H-I-V. Cumbumble flubble. Undetectable equals untransmittable. That's what it means. Okay, which is a whole lot different. No, it's a lot different. You go every now some messages. But what it's saying that as a person who has an undetectable viral load, the chances of it transmitting are much, much lower now. Right, right. Okay, so, and all this comes from this this argument about whether or not this day should be considered HIV vaccine day right. in lack of a vaccine. Right. Okay. So, can, what else is today? But, well, oh, you want to move on from that? Uh, unless you have something else Oh, because I was going to mention that uh, in there was a patient in Germany back in 2006 who underwent two bone marrow transplants and is now, up to today, still viral-free, completely no virus detected at all in him. And so now they're working more, they're looking more at bone marrow treatments now and also at stem cell treatments as well. Well, stem cell treatments, I believe, is the future for medicine anyway, Mm. the end. Right. From what I know of medicine, which admittedly is, I should probably not take more than eight tums at a time anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I forget where we were. Talking about HIV Vaccine Awareness Day. So you always go back too far. <laughs> How about I move on to our next topic then? I our next, I lost that. Our next holiday, it so to profound. speak. Ed, what's the next holiday? <laughs> the next day of what day is it is International Museum Day. Oh, okay. Yes. All right, I like this. It's a day proclaimed each year by the International Co- uh, Council of Museums. Excellent. And there's a theme each year, and this year's theme is the power of museums. Oh, dear. That museums have the power to transform the world around us. I believe that is true. Yes, me too. And I also believe that... Is that stereotypical? What's that? Two doughy, middle-aged, white Irishmen from the North, gay, think it's a good idea to support museums? Yes. Mm. <laughs> It's a stereotype. I would hope so. There has to be. I love museums. So do I. Since I was a kid, I love them. When Steve and I go on trips anywhere, we go to museums. We go to historical sites, you know? That's what we go to. I like the historical sites. Yes, me too. I don't want to climb anything anymore, though. 
You don't want to climb anything? Yeah, like I want to be at historical site, but like my knees hurt now, like really bad. So I don't, I don't want to climb anything. I don't want to climb too many stairs. Okay. I don't want to climb any outdoor rock structure in July. That kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Anything that I need, like a backpack and boots to do, I don't want to do. Oh, okay. Then we'll try to avoid those. Please. We now move on to our next segment. You'll supply the sound effect for this one. Oh, see? It's time to turn your head and cough. (coughs) Was that so hard? No. It's my favorite thing. Okay. That's why I I made to say that for you. But yeah, well, that's, and uh, yeah. But uh, the lead-in by giving the disclaimer ruined it. I'm sorry. Do better. Well, I want to. I don't want you to have you sitting there waiting, thinking that I had a cough sound effect to put on. I have never. I didn't want you to think that I took that pleasure away from you. I have never let that cue go by. <laughs> never. And you never and will. And I never will. <laughs> that was as organic as happens with people be speaking to each other. That was one of the. Yeah. No. That's. Now and now I ruined it forever. So just record the last one and let's just call it a thing. Anyway, we're going back to dogs, so to speak, on this uh, segment of Turn Your Head and Cough. And this concerns a new canine coronavirus that was first identified in two patients in Malaysia in 2017 who had developed pneumonia. They ended up uh, isolating the coronavirus. They sequenced it and published their findings in 2021. But studies at Cornell University have revealed that the virus actually shifts from infecting both the respiratory system and, in- and intestines of the animal to only infecting the respiratory system in the human host, which is pretty significant. But it's two dogs. No, we're talking about dog to human. No, you said two dogs. I didn't say two dogs. Two dogs in Malaysia. No, I said two humans in Malaysia. They contracted the coronavirus. From their dog. Yes. And so two humans. Yes. Was it the same dog? I do- doesn't say. That's not really the important point. The important point is they discovered how the virus mutated from from attacking both the lungs and intestines of the dog to only attacking the lungs of humans. See, now that seems significant to me in, in the quickness that they were able to find that out, the scientists. Well, even what more they found out in 2021 is... They found the same coronavirus in Haiti in people who had developed in who had developed respiratory illnesses. So now they're trying to find out whether this virus just spontaneously changes on its own, or if it's the same virus and it's been around for a lot longer than they than they ever realized. And it has modified itself to this point now where it's affecting us? Yep. But they're saying that with this study of what they found out, it's going to help them better understand how viruses transfer from animals to humans. So what's going to happen is this, because I know. Okay. We're going to continue to try and figure all of this shit out. Mm-hmm. And each advance is stunning and amazing. Yeah. And it truly is. Exactly. And then the rock that we're riding on is going to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> Or well, what happens is the earth, like George Carlin said, the earth is trying to shake us off. Okay. Okay, because it's we, the humans, are like this parasite. Okay, and everything on earth is a parasite because it all okay, but but we're we're really bad. Yes. Okay, so the earth is trying to shake it off, and George Carlin did this amazing thing about how what was it, George Carlin? What if the entire earth's purpose was for X pounds of concrete? 
That's what we were there for. The earth needed concrete, created us, the entire chain of evolution up to us so that he could create concrete. We create the concrete. When he has enough, he's going to shake us off and move us on and move on with itself. And I believe that's what's going to happen. Okay. Okay. So as much as I am impressed by all of the scientific knowledge and discovery and how the fuck did you do that? And what made you think of that? And holy shit, that's so cool. Right. None of it matters. You're such a cynic and pessimist. I'm just saying it's, it's, I told you to. What was the first two words I said to you? I'm cranky. Well, we noticed, but we didn't know you were this cranky. This is yeah. This is how cranky. This is like yeah. It's dour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Dire, even. Okay, don't judge me. I would never judge. (laughs) There is a sound effect. That should be a lightning strike. Oh, I got one for you. How about this instead? (laughs) No, a lightning strike. We now move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. A zipper. Yes. No. You don't like that? No, I've been very clear here. (laughs) What's wrong with the zipper? It needs to be a 1950s style woman scream at horror. A single, just one woman screaming, one scream. In horror. In horror. In horror. Thank you, handsome. One, yes, high-pitched female scream in horror. Okay. Okay, that's what that sound effect needs. That's what that spot needs. I'll remember that for future reference. Please do, because we've discussed it more than once. And thank you for the dessert, honeyhead. We just got served some shit. What's it called? Some raspberry... Anyway, as we take a look into my briefs, this will be a short segment today. It's... It's actually a follow-up on something that we've discussed before. In Texas, where the governor and the attorney general had ordered the uh, state, uh, basically the Department of Family and Protective Services, to start investigating family of trans children for uh, alleg- for any signs of child abuse. As where is this happening? This is in Texas. Okay. And of course, what they, they find is child abuse as, you know... Any medications for, uh-huh. you know, gender, uh, whatever, you know. Support in any way. Exactly. Well, anyway, people sued the government against well, it, yeah. and, and it went to the Texas Supreme Court. And what the Texas Supreme Court said is that Texas authorities can resume investigating parents of transgender for children for child abuse, but they are not legally required to do so. Wow. They, they said that the governor and attorney general were within their rights to state their legal and policy views on the topic, but the Department of Family and Protective Services was not compelled by law to follow them, as those as those officials did not directly control the department or its investigations. Leaving that decision up to who? The department itself. The local department. Yep. So it will no longer be you have to investigate these families because they have a transgender child. It's now at the discretion of the department. They also said that the family that sued and the psychologist had sued, that the state can no longer investigate that family as it, was, as it would cause irreparable harm. Ha! Oh, I laugh. Right now. I laugh at you. Ha! It's just, yeah, Texas. It's like, yeah, Texas. Yeah, what can I say? Let me ask you about Texas. It ain't Florida, but it's just as bad. This is what this is where I'm going. The heat's dr- the heat's drier in Texas. The heat's drier in Texas. Well, certainly in parts of Texas. Well, Te- mostly Texas. Texas. Is coastal 
Yeah, but it's like dry, nothing like Florida. Okay, yeah, okay. Because um, I'm wondering, like, Florida is Florida, and there's no need to beat that dead horse. Yeah. Okay. Is Texas the same? Pretty much so, yeah. It seems to me like Louisiana, Alabama are not exactly the same. Well, they're all, they're on their way there. They're doing their own laws against uh, transgender children and athletes. Uh, I, I'm not trying to be that specific. I'm trying to be much more general. Oh, okay. The, the, the amount and the level of accomplishment found in their stupidity. <laughs> it just, varies from state to state, but it's just, all going on. Basically, a lot of it's going on south of the Mason-Dixon line and west of the Mississippi. Okay. You know? That's very northern of you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the best way to describe it, really. Yeah. You know, I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know if we could if we could get those last couple of few stragglers over there on the left to just trade somehow. We're going to make two different countries, but they can't be connected by land without somebody giving up something. Of course, I'll get back to you. Please do. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment: the week in fascism. <laughs> Okay. Do you approve of that sound effect? I have some notes. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. It's okay. <laughs> my 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 first mental image was marching marching Nazi boots. I well, was gonna go for that, but it just sounded eh. Okay, I wasn't thrilled with that, it. This one is interesting. I think you I think you should hear it before you intro it. Like hear the sound. Okay, and then say, and Uh-oh, then say it's the week in fascism. There you go. You get more of the sound in. And it works just sort of dramatically as a yes thing. So uh, take the note. Don't take the note. Show me I will, I will take the note and apply it next week. Whatever you want. To, I don't. Uh, please don't make any of these things now. <laughs> anyway, this week in fascism. Okay, what happened? I don't know if you've been hearing on the news a lot of people talking about the Great Replacement Theory. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah, and could you not? Can you not laugh at it? You can laugh at it. It's totally ridiculous what it is. <laughs> the fact that it's being taken seriously is not surprising in this country. Describe because, it. Describe well, what, what it I'm going to do is describe it. Also, I'm going to describe the person who created this theory in the first place. The theory basically states... Let me see if I can find the best wording for it here. How could you not be ready with this copy? Well, he basically... I'm sorry, because I have a lot written here about this whole theory and this whole this whole thing, basically. Look a little bit into self-editing. Please, I wish I could. <laughs> but he basically said that the white races in France and throughout Europe are being replaced by non-European races. That they're being replaced by what he calls replacist elites. And that they're replacing them with people from North Africa and the Middle East. The person who made this claim, his name is Camus, who was born in 1946. He's still alive today. After he came out as gay, his parents basically disowned him, wrote him out of their wills. He went on to college. He earned master's degrees in French literature, philosophy, political science, and the history of law. In 1979, he published, he published his semi-autobiographical novel called Tricks which graphically detailed his many one-night stands. Ew. Yeah. He was primarily known as a novelist and poet up until the 1990s. That's when things started to change. 1992, he bought and restored a 14th-century castle in France, where he still resides. He claimed in 1996 that he had an epiphany... That's drama, though. 
that he bought this castle. To buy a castle in France. Right. That's drama. That's high drama. I like that. In 1996, he claimed he had an epiphany while doing research for a guidebook on a region of southern France. He said that he was in a village and he stumbled upon a cluster of veiled Muslim women outside an ancient stone church. He said that they did not belong there. Of course, it's related to my taste for architecture, for heritage. There was something that wasn't right. As if in a film on Louis XIV's Versailles, some armored knights from the Middle Ages appeared. Okay. Can I jump in one real quick? Yeah. Just one thought? Uh-huh. Is the judgment less harsh for fat American tourists with socks and sandals? What are you talking about? I'm talking about he's complaining about those people who were visiting or seen or spotted out. There's Muslim people found outside of this ancient Catholic church or right. this ancient Christian church. Right. And it was offended by their presence. Yes. My question to you is, would you be as offended if the people who you spotted by chance outside of that church were fat American tourists who with shorts and socks and sandals. No, he would not have been. Thank you. That's he he would not have been. That was <clears> my question. <throat> he would not have been. You're, as long as you're a white American wearing those socks and your sandals, he wouldn't have had a problem with it. Uh, you know, right outside of this ancient church in France, right? That's where we are now, France? Yeah, this all right. is all in France right now. Okay. In 2002, he published an edition of his diary from 1994. In the diary, he complained that there were too many Jews on France's national public radio. He said the problem was not so much the number of Jews on the station, but the fundamental impossibility for a Jew to understand and explain French culture to a French audience. Okay. So he's already treating, even if they're French Jews, he's treating them as outsiders. By their Jewishness itself. Yes, exactly. Amazingly, though, he's had Jewish defenders in France, Mm. which seems odd. And and that's part of the reason why his great replacement theory is accepted, because they don't really view it as being anti-Semitic. That's really aimed at non-white people. And Muslim people. So they don't really view it as being anti, as this guy's being anti Semitic. So it can't be that, it can't be one thing because there are so many things. Yeah. But anyway, in 2010 and 2011, he published two books, one titled The Great Replacement. In them, he theorized that replacist elites are colluding against the white French and Europeans in order to replace them with non European peoples. Specifically, Muslim populations from Africa and the Middle East through mass migration, demographic demographic growth, and a drop in the European birth rate. A supposed process he labeled genocide by substitution. Okay. I'll tell you what. I heard about this. I don't know any of that history. Okay. I know the Americanized version of this. So it's, you know, obviously... Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. We're leading up to that. So really, we could save the time and just say... Put that in America. Who are the people? Who are the people on both sides? Who does this theory? Who are the... Uh, and you got it. It's it's completely ridiculous. Well, it, it is ridiculous, but you have to take this seriously, and I'm going to tell you why. This, in 2012, this guy ran for president of France, but he later withdrew, and you know he threw his support behind? Marine Le Pen, who just ran against Macron in the most recent election and lost. How did he lost? Okay. So you know how he's, you know, it's still the right wing xenophobe. In 2017, they're not winning. They're 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 not in the control of France. In 2017, he founded the National Council of European Resistance, Resistance, a right wing pan European movement that seeks to oppose the Great Replacement and immigration to Europe and to defeat 
quote unquote replaces totalitarianism. And who are the who are those? Those are the Jews. Well, he doesn't say that. Okay, but is that but but he, is that he? No, he's saying he's not anti-Semitic. This guy is like protested. He's not anti-Semitic. I'm gonna. I'm going to explain why in a second. After the white supremacist protesters at the 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, were heard chanting, you will not replace us and Jews will not replace us, Camus stated that he did not support neo-Nazis or violence, but that he understood why white Americans felt angry about being replaced and approved of the sentiment. Okay. In that, Can in I have a minute to breathe here while you're fucking me with sand? Okay. Uh, all right. In 2018, a year later, this guy wrote, released a book written in English called You Will Not Replace Us. In 2019, he ran for the European Parliament election saying that we shall not leave Europe, we shall make Africa leave Europe. Okay. However, he... Who brought Africa to Europe? But yeah. However, he withdrew from the election because a photograph of a candidate from the same party was taken showing him... Showing him kneeling in front of, uh, of a giant swastika. So Camus withdrew from the election claiming that the swastika was the opposite of everything he had fought for his whole life. All evidence to the contrary. Right. It's just the, it's just there are people now who say, I'm going to lie, and that's what I'm going to live by. And you have to accept that. Or you don't have to, because uh, I don't accept that, but, but somebody of consequence with this attitude in public life, mm -hmm. now that this attitude is in control of so much, is that new, though? Is this attitude just like the people who do this? It's not new. It's just more organized and more pronounced now. Because this well, whole... not trying to hide it anymore. Well, no, there is no hiding it anymore. No, it's just out in the open now, you know? Because this theory, this great replacement theory, it's part of what they call a component of what they call identitarianism, which is a strand of white nationalism that started in France. And it's basically asserting the right of European ethnic groups and white people to Western culture and territories claim to belong exclusively to them. Was France always like this, mm. or is this like their time of the month? No, it's it, actually, they had these issues before. They had these issues back in the 1960s and 70s, and it wasn't just France. It was other European countries, especially colonizing countries like France and England, who their colonies were becoming independent, independent nations, but a lot of the people there were migrating back to France or England. Okay. So, yeah. So this has been going understand. on. This has been going on before. This has been nothing new, you mm -hmm. know? That's why, you know, this whole thing about it, this whole great, it's like, no, this is bullshit. It's been going on since the 60s and 70s. Nothing is new. Right? Everything's old. Anyway, Le Pen, Le, not Le Pen, uh, Camus said that the great replacement is not merely about... Wasn't that a whale? What? Camus. Don't look no, at me like that. There's no whale named Camus. Uh, I think you're wrong. Go ahead. What did he say? He said that the great replacement was not merely about the replacement of some people by others. It is also the fact that everything is replaced by something else. The original by the copy. The authentic by imitation. The object by its facsimile. Writers by intellectuals. Literature by journalism. Journalism by information. Information by fake news. Venice by Venice and Las Vegas. Las Vegas by Las Vegas in a Spanish desert or somewhere else. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it goes back to what some people call the aesthetics of fascism. That everything has to look uh, right it, in, in its place, you know? Yeah, yes. And, you know, as you alluded to earlier, it is now this great replacement theory is now popping its ugly head here in America. 
We've had Tucker Carlson promoting this theory on uh, his Fox News show, claiming Which, that Joe Biden's trying to replace a population with people from the third world. And let's not mention there was the 2019 Christchurch mosque shootings in New Zealand, where the great replacement was the name of the manifesto of the shooter. Can, I, can, I, have, can I please... For a second, with a little bit of patience and grace from you. The great replacement theory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's we're not adding, we're not asking people to come join us. No, the great replacement theory is is that the replacist elites, whoever they are, the government, whoever, is replacing white people with non-white people. And so what are they doing with the white people? I don't know. Are they going somewhere else? Are they being are they being killed? Are they being destroyed? No one ever says. it just says that they're being replaced. They never say what happens to the white people. I don't think the word replacement is meant to be an accident. I think he, that that word is chosen. Of course sp- it was. Okay. So it implies that You'll this- be taken out. You'll be made obsolete. Whatever obsolete means. That's what it means. It's, That's what these white people are afraid of. It's just... It's just... And I'll tell you I'll tell you something I found out recently that I'm not going to go in, 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 into any detail on, but this theory, this the belief in this theory the, the is, is closer to me than I'd like to think. Well, yeah, it is. A poll taken in May, earlier this month, by the Associated Press, found that one-third of American adults believe that an effort was underway to replace native-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains. Of course, they found that those who reported as conservative and watched channels like One American News Network and Newsmax and Fox News were more likely to believe this than people who watch CNN or MSNBC. So yeah, so it is hitting close to home. And not to mention, like I said it was it was referred it was named on the manifesto of the Christchurch mosque shootings. It was cited in the writings of the shooter of the 2019 El Paso shooting of Hispanics at a Walmart. And recently in Buffalo, New York, where 10 people were killed and three wounded, most of them black, it was again cited in the manifesto of that shooter. So yeah, so between, like I said, and like I said, when we have people like Tucker Carlson and others on Fox News propaganda and these other propaganda networks who keep on saying replacement theory, replacement theory, is it any wonder that people believe this shit is actually happening? What happened to critical race theory? Is that still a thing? Do we not, do, are we not talking oh, about that's no that? Oh, that's no longer the issue of the day now. Now the buzzword is replacement theory. Now we're talking about replacement theory. Yeah, that's the buzzword. It this, just seems, this is how the conservatives control the media conversation all the time. It, and this is what I'm sick of. Well, here we are discussing it. Yeah. But this one seems like, and I've said this before about a couple of different things, a step too far in its ridiculousness and its oh come on ness. Um, but I, I heard someone on TV the other day saying that that they're replacing white voters with immigrant voters for the 2022 midterm elections. So that, like, that, that is that is ridiculous. That, that is, is like you got to be kidding me. An organized effort with this single intent, without mentioning who organized it, who's organizing it, who's it's always a mysterious they, who's executing it, how to look out for it. Who to be afraid of, like, who to ask questions of. It's just they, which is, and I've said this before, a way to avoid responsibility. They told me. I heard. I heard that a lot of people. Yeah. You know, oh, that's just what I heard. The people told me. People yeah. told me. I, I, what do I know? People told me. I know. Yeah, that, that is too much of a, uh, too much of a, a thing right now. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't it, like it's being accepted. No. Well, the most recent person who's been cited for this is a congressman from New York, this Elise Stefanik. She's now the third highest ranking Republican in the House, in the House of Representatives. And she, ain't she from up 
up there? She's, she's from upstate New York, and now she's facing scrutiny for past campaign ads that use this language of the Great Replacement Conspiracy, you know? She accused radical Democrats of planning a permanent election insurrection by granting amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants who will overthrow our current electorate and create a permanent liberal majority in Washington. Okay, so how did you find this out? Where'd you learn this? Are their passports stamped? What happened? Where? Show me th- something. Show me. Show, show me something. What do you got? What oh, you she's got? also accused the president of withholding the baby formula, which is causing the baby formula sh- shortage, and giving it to undocumented immigrants. Oh God! Yeah, this is the third-ranking Republican in the House, and from New York. What was to take on Buffalo? She got into a whole lot of shit for what she said about. Well, I mean, the, well, I'm sure she did. I don't know what she said about that, but well, she said something stupid. I'm not surprised. Every time I think, and I just ten minutes ago, every time I think there's a new level of no, that can't be. That's just that. It's too obvious. There's no way anybody's going to buy that. But they do. They do. They swallowed hook, line, and sinker. It's it goes back to what's his name, the circus guy. There's a sucker born. <laughs> Barnum. Okay. So, yeah. Over and over and over. And the American Barnum, people are proving themselves. Barnum has been proved right. Suckers, I'll tell you. Over and over and over again. We are now moving on to We Like to Watch. We Like to Watch. So, what did you watch this week, Tomas? What did I watch? Okay, so Rachel's done this thing now. Rachel Maddow? Now. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do I have to waste the time? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. I like Rachel. Okay. Okay. I like her writers. I like her deliveries. Very specific. Rachel has been... Rachel took a a huge bit of time off. What seemed to me a huge bit of time off. And now coming back, she came back, she did a week, she did two weeks, maybe. Yeah. And now she's going to be the Rachel Maddow show on Monday. Right. And that's and the rest it. of the week it's NBC or CN what MSN, MSNBC MS, MSNBC Prime yeah which clearly has to do with the time because the host is not Prime right you can't you, I'm having difficulty with that okay so I, that's something I've, I've watched this week I've tried to get into it I don't like you miss your Rachel I, five days a I, week I, four days uh, a week. You know what? I do. Fair enough. I do. Yeah. And you know what? You know what was weird to me? Rachel takes... Rachel always took... She's in the position to take a lot of time off. Yes. She takes time off. She and her girlfriend, her her wife, I'm sorry I don't know her marital status, they go off Susan. They go off, they do their... Whatever, or they go... Whatever they do, I don't care. Whatever Rachel does is none of my business. She has vacation time. The people who replace her, often somebody like Ari Velchi. Right. Ari Velchi's really good because... He can read the Rachel Maddow writers like Rachel Maddow. Okay. Where the other the other people in who they sometimes they have substitute for Rachel don't always read it the way it's written to be. Unless right. it's just a specific Rachel thing that the writers are like, Rachel, what the fuck are you doing? That's but she there's a very distinct style to Rachel Maddow. Yeah, yes there is. I, I uh I like it, and, okay. and uh, I miss it. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's what I watched, I think. Anything else? No, yeah, I started something, I went back to something, I looked at something else. There was some RuPaul's Drag Queen in there. It's a quiet time for, for RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, well, you, you, they just, she just crowned someone. The it's winner, in between right? seasons. Yeah. yeah, I could watch Spania, Espana, which I love, but I have to be looking at the screen. Of course, because you have to read the because subtitles. Because I have to read it. Unless I watch it solely for the pit crew, okay, which I do do, 
<laughs> so it's on, the, on those. Now go it? do that pit crew. Oh, I tell you, you what, do so well. There's been a lot of these RuPaul spinoffs in different places. Of in course, making all the okay. money she can. Oh my God! And God oh, bless God. RuPaul. God bless RuPaul. Anyway, she's sitting on a fortune now for all this. Uh, yeah, and she deserves it. I'm sorry, um, she does. She's doing great. She's she's she created the things. She freed the people. Yeah, España. The, the RuPaul España thing, it's not even funny anymore. It's not even a joke anymore. It is so about the pit crew. Okay. They are <clears throat> the most glorious creatures. They're what people carved into marble. They're what people painted onto onto ceilings. They're, they are the most beautiful men. The pit crew, RuPaul España. Good to know. It is good to know. You would thank me. I'm you, sure. Uh, yes, it's they're beautiful creatures, beautiful, and all the pit crews are beautiful. Okay. That's their job. That's their for fuck's job, sake, is right? to be beautiful. Spanish. Ay, Dios mío. I'm dead. I'm totally <laughs> dead. Me muerte y yo muerto. Whatever the fuck. I'm dead. No, they're they're beautiful men. Good to know. You want to know what I watched this week? I can't wait. Well, first we watched the return of the TV show Hacks on HBO Max. Never heard of it. No, Hacks? oh, you'd like it. With H-A-C-K? H-A-C-K? H-A-C-K-S. And it's all about this Las Vegas comedian, Jean Smart. And she's like, you know, in her peak years now. And, and now it looks like she's going to lose her job at this casino. So she's looking to change up her act. And she hires this young nutty girl to work for and stuff. Who's the young nutty girl? I don't know her name. She's Jean Smart as a stand-up comic? Yes, and she's great. I'm having a difficult time right here, I have to say. Why? I like Jean Smart. Okay. It's not the context I'd ever put her in. Exactly. Exactly. No, this is... I'm making sure we're talking about the same person. Yeah, she was in uh, Designing Women. Yep. Okay, then we're talking about the same person then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, that's her. She's beautiful. But she's playing a stand-up Las Vegas comedian. A stand-up comedian. And then the second okay. season now, she basically she's lost her job at the casino. She's now taking her new act on the road. Is now. she funny? Yes, oh my God, she's great. Even as a comedian, she's very good, too. Okay. Yeah. Wow. She's really, really good in the room. She's excellent. Yeah. I I have to say, that's completely outside of the box for me as far as Gene Smart, my image of what Gene Smart would do. Is her as a stand-up comic. That's so funny. And she's great in it. She's really, she's so good in this part. So I definitely recommend it. It's on HBO Max. The only thing about the show I don't like is they have you know they have to have a first primary storyline and then a second storyline and the second storyline usually involves her agent who has all these problems with this secretary who's an incompetent nightmare from hell and she's just an annoying character and it's like I don't need to see this shit well, just go back to Jean Smart and what she's doing hopefully okay? it's just a place how many seasons in are they this is only the second season I just so started. hopefully this is a placeholder until they develop something that's what I'm um, it sounds to me a little a, a suspiciously like a the, Maisel no it's different from Maisel it's different from Maisel Definitely a whole different tone and texture and style to it. All different from Maisel. Okay. Maisel leads with the Jewish. Right. Which is... No, there's almost like... There's no, there's no... Yeah, there's nothing like that in this in this show. But it is the female com- comedian struggling with the assistant, with the, with the booker who is... Well, she's now... Like I said, she's a comedian now. She's past her peak now. And now she's trying something right. new now. Sounds interesting. Gene Smart is. is a stand-up comic. That's yeah. uh, interesting. It's right definitely there. worth the watch. I right. highly recommend it. Okay. I will not watch it. I don't have HBO Max, bitch. Don't, don't do that. Deflate. You deflate? 
Totally deflate me. Deflate. Well, do you have Amazon Prime? I have Amazon Prime. I do. Well, good. Can I watch something on there that I know you? I hopefully you'll you will like. Okay. The Return of the Kids in the Hall. Oh no. Yes. Yes. They have returned to the whole new season of episodes. Oh, I was. Is it the original Kids in the Hall? It's the original Kids in the Hall. I was never a fan. Oh, I was always from the moment they they first started showing their episodes on Comedy Central. See, I never I never sought them out. I I had nothing against them. Okay. They were never in a fight. I never watched them. They didn't. They I didn't watch a whole lot of Saturday Night Live. That that whole genre. Right. Okay. Didn't interest me either. Okay. 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 So I did, uh, but I was very, and I am aware of the contribution that they have made culturally. Oh yes, I mean, it's um, a, I mean the whole I cr- I am crushing your head. Yeah, that's the kids uh, in the hall. Yeah, it's like finding out that Shakespeare wrote that. Yeah, like, that's from Kids in the Hall. It, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right? one of those situations for sure. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, the kids in the hall were a Canadian comedy troupe, very very big in the nineties. They had their own comedy show. They were they were produced by Lorne Michaels from Saturday Night Live. He pretty much discovered them and put them together. And they Saturday ran Night for Life Canada. Yeah, that's what it basically was, so to speak. And they ran for like I think like five years. A show ran to me. They're the funniest comedy troupe since Monty Python's Flying Circus. I okay. just, I totally enjoy their off the wall humor. It's very it's it that we were talking about this last week too something uh, uh very Canadian. Okay. You asked me how was it? I said very Canadian. Yes, I don't. Yeah, what were we talking about? I it was it, it was in the that. same episode. It was the yes. same segment. I can't it remember what we were talking about. We we like to watch, mm-hmm. but I was I was talking about something and how was it? It was very Canadian. It was a comedy and it was a series and I don't remember what it was called. And I have watched the subsequent episode, but I don't remember. So fuck it. Canadian humor is is specific. You no. Know, Always, not always. Oh God, I think it's a very dry delivery. But even Monty Python, if you go back and look at their TV shows and the jokes they make about politicians from that era, like Reginald Maudlin, people don't know who Reginald Maudlin is anymore. But the joke still lands. Yeah, the the Canadians, they're very, very polite. I know it sounds sort of racist. But they're English in a way. The the the, 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 the okay. Canadians are responsible for. Um, they're the New Englanders of North America. No, it's beyond that. But more polite. More polite. <laughs> no, no. See, here's the thing. The fact that there are rules are, is too harsh for the Canadian. Okay. Okay. It's just to be polite. It's not because I got to follow the rules. It's just to be okay. Very dry, very dry delivery is a key. There's almost never, you know, like in a Canadian that that doesn't happen. Some jokes take take a couple of minutes to set up, okay, and you don't know what's going on. So, so I never had a problem following. I. I, I I love it. Yeah, I just I love this show. Suddenly, because of the the unnamed show from last week that I can't remember, <laughs> I, I'm aware of that now specific Canadianality. Canadianality. I've been exposed to That's a lot a new of word. Canadianality in the past. <laughs> what is it? Canadian? I don't know. What's the word for like a whole culture? Like culture. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> Zeitgeist. Lastly, I watched an excellent movie on Amazon Prime from 2014. It's called Pride. Oh, this came up as, are you interested in this section? Really? I highly recommend this movie. Okay, why? It is the story of, if you remember back in 1984, 85, in the United Kingdom, the miners went on strike. Yes, I do remember Over there for quite a while. 
under Margaret Thatcher's rule, and she did not give in to them, and the miners suffered, and eventually the strike ended sometime in 85. But it was quite a harrowing time for the miners and their families. It was huge news. Well, this movie documents, it's based on the true story of a group of gay and lesbian activists who raised money to support the miners' families. Okay. And it's it's a light drama. It's not a heavy drama. It's, okay. it's fairly light. There's definitely a lot of humor in it. It stars Bill Nighy and Imelda Staunton. Who's I love Imelda Staunton. Imelda Staunton's wonderful in this movie. I love movie. Imelda Staunton. But it's all about this group going to finally... One of the miners actually comes to them to meet them in London to, and get the money. And they, he says, why don't you come back to our village and you can meet the other families. Of course. So it's all about, you know, the cultural clash. All the gays, gays are going and to, lesbians going to see these miners. So it's come from a way gay. Yeah. But it's... I love that. It's a really, it's a, I mean, it's a, there's a bittersweet ending to it because, like I said, the miners lose in the end, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And it's a bittersweet ending. I mean, there is a somewhat happy resolution at the end because they had to put a neat bow on it. But that was okay. I like this movie. It's a feel-good movie. Okay, so it sounds like, what was the road trip across the country, three drag queens? Priscilla, the Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That was Australia. Yes. There was an American version. Yes, the uh, Tuang Fu, Tuang Thanks for Wang Everything, Fu. Love Julie Newmar, okay. which I hated. But there is a similar scenario in one of those movies. To the, well, it's not so much. I mean, this is, has more to do with the strike itself than the cultural clashes. I mean, yes, the cultural clashes are there, but it's, it stays on the story of the miners and what they're going through, you know? Okay, good, as it should. Yeah. So, yeah. It's and then also it's dealing with, also, it's the beginning of AIDS. You know what? It's time Maybe in the UK, is, so it's I, dealing with that as well. I've been bitching about, only to myself. About what? The coming of age gay movies. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm tired now, of them. Gay, gay movies yeah. are all coming of age. I'm and tired how, of them. And they're not really making them much anymore. Well, but this, this I gotta tell you, this one you gotta watch. This one I mentioned the other week. It's You gotta watch this. This is a good one. Mm-hmm. This will restore your faith. Okay. Uh, okay. I Heartstopper. We I just started watching that. Stephen had watched it a week earlier. Watch it. We I think we no. We actually we finished. There was like six episodes. We finished the whole series. Oh, right. good. It was it, it was, was nice, really right? good. It was a nice series. It, you know. Yes. It was a it was a romantic story. A boy meets boy. Boy gets boy. Boy loses boy for a little bit, and then boy gets boy back at the end. And yet somehow. It managed to tell that very basic yeah. outline yes. in a very interesting way. It, it, it spoke to, for some reason, it spoke to a lot of people more than any other of these recent gay coming-of-age stories have. Anyway, the point is not the coming-of-age stories. Right. The point is me being suddenly struck with the fact that this is the grown-up alternative. Yes. Yeah, because I was like in this series, I mean, there's like... There's- Really, like, no sex in the series at all. It's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a romantic love story. There's really no sex that you see on screen to speak okay. of, right? Not that I can remember. What? The, 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 in uh, Heartstop. Heartstop. No. No, no, no. As opposed were... to, like, a show like Sex Education, which is all about sex, yeah. obviously. I, yeah, I never watched. This is, like, the opposite of that. Yeah. It's dealing with romance. On the other hand, I was, I was surprised at how excited I was at that first kiss. Yes, because the character, the one character was just coming, the one character was out, the other character was slowly coming out. Which is 
like you delivered it before, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We've seen this a hundred times. For some reason, and I don't know why, but for some reason, this representation of that moment was... It seemed authentic. Very. It, it was very authentic. real. It, was it didn't very, seem contrived. I was struck by how It wasn't like I this was. big dramatic scene where the person's like in this pressure situation and finally blurts out, I'm gay! It's, it's nothing like that. It's a very you know? quiet little thing. It's yeah. nice. Anyway... Anyway, again, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that this new thing that you're talking about... This, pride. This movie, the, this, Pride. Right. Or even... I mean, there is a character in the movie. He's in the closet, but he still gets involved with this organization anyway. And eventually he does get outed, and he gets punished by his parents that he's living with. But by the end of the movie, he leaves his, he leaves his family. He you know, basically walks out of them. See, that's the story right there. It's not the moment when you realize you like boys more than girls. It's the moment when you... So much. It's the moment... That's that moment yeah. there where you have to say no. Yeah. When you say enough, and enough. It, it's more dramatic. It's certainly more dramatic because... And I love the, the that moment of finding out, that coming of age, that, that discovery of finding Oh, yeah. Out. I've just seen it a hundred thousand times. I and, know. And it's it's... That's why, I mean, there are other shows I like now that the characters are just gay, they're part of the story. Usually it's a comedy, of course, but it's just part of the story. We're not going through the whole coming out Ex- Exactly. Did you ever you know? have a girlfriend? No, I didn't. I had a girlfriend. You know, that kind of adult representation of how gay actually happens. Exactly. Like the Tales of the City series, and especially the last season of it that they just broke. Hold on, on, when you Netflix. say Tales of the City, which version are you talking about? The version you... The Armistead Morpin novels that were then put on TV. And not the ones you got at the adult store in the back room. No, the ones that I have right here in my no, house. No, 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 I'm talking about you today as a consumer. If you wanted to see Tales of the City, yes. a certain other version, you would go to the adult <laughs> This is T-A-L-E-S, and- not T-A-I-L-E-S. Okay, you want to look that one up again before we move on? No, I think we're pretty much done with this this segment. This episode? Are we done yes. with the episode? But, no, no, not with the episode. Just with this segment. We okay. have some more segments to go yet. Well, how far But we in? just want to say, you know, recommend we, you, you watch Pride on Amazon Prime and also watch Heartstoppers on Netflix. Watch Heartstoppers. And maybe you could help me describe why it's better than the other one. I don't know why it's better than the other one. It's just, it's just, it's just, just really, really the, well done. It's just better than the other one. It's, it's a twenty first century gay love story. And tell story. me that last scene with Julia, Janiya, Ju, Ju, Olivia, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Coleman. She that bitch does not bang. I know that whole series, and then suddenly that one scene. Yeah, ninety seconds before the end yeah. of the whole season. Right, she has this unbelievable. That's that was the heart stopper. That was that moment, yeah. and I think she knew that, and that's why she took that job because there's no reason for her to take that job. I know. It's an easy, that's, a, that's an easy paint check for her. She's my a, God, she's she's Olivia. No, she's a side character in this. You know, nobody is in that movie. She's the she's the, the star. She's the big name in that whole show. That she's whole got series. nine minutes of screen time for the entire season, and forty five seconds of it was the most hot topic thing you've ever seen. Yep, I know. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Definitely is. Well, we now move on to our next segment. I have to cue this one up a bit, though. Um, that tells me we're gonna have a, no, we don't have a commercial, but I have to cue it up. Uh, Hold see, on this a is second. Exactly what Stephen was saying. Well, this will be fixed once Stephen Hold is able on, to let me get the flash. Is this is the flash on? Do I need to hold on? Hold on. Let's get together. Are you ready? We're now ready. Go ahead. I was, I was paddling for time. We are now moving on to paddling for time. 
people saying stupid things. Diet. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Okay. Did you like that one? That's a, that's a sound cue. That's not a clip. Okay. I'm glad you liked that. God, Karen, you are so stupid. <laughs> We should really be doing a Karen, a Karen segment. <laughs> there is enough Karen. There hasn't been a lot of Karen sightings You're lately, a though. Liar. There are Karens all <laughs> over the place. You look for them. I, I fall into the Karen. I try to avoid them. I just find them by Late at night, YouTube Karen, Karen Palooza, Karen Extravaganza. <laughs> Karen Ka- oh my God. Oh my God. It's endless. <laughs> endless. Well, anyway, for tonight's uh, segment of People Saying Stupid Things, we have the one and only Eric Trump. Oh, good. Um, Eric Trump. Okay. So, in the Twins movie, he would be Danny DeVito. Yes. Okay. Okay, so go ahead. Eric, poor Eric. Well, for some reason, on yesterday, he tweeted, there's two pictures. One was a picture of uh, Obama at the demilitarized zone in... uh, South and North Korea in 2012, standing with military personnel. And then he posts a picture of his daddy with Kim Jong-un in 2019. And he writes the caption, This was Obama at the DMZ in March of 2012. This is Trump at the DMZ in June of 2019. Hashtag, change we can believe in. Hashtag, yes we can. Hashtag, Keep America great. No one really knows why he posted this in the first place. I'm going I'm, <laughs> I'm to ask you why you brought it up. Because it's incredibly stupid. It is incredibly stupid. That's why I brought it up. It means nothing. Yeah, it's like, why did you post this? It makes... Why are you, why are you bragging about your dad hanging out? With a dictator. What was the first hashtag? Uh, The first hashtag was change we can believe in. Was that an Obama slogan? No, I I don't know whose slogan that was. But it's just like, oh, so you want to go back to being friends with all these dictators around the world. Sure. Great idea there, Eric. But that's not even what he says. I, I, it's, I, I I said, no one knows why he posted this. I hate you. In the first place. Why would you do? Why would you waste my time like that? Because we were looking for something for people saying stupid things, and you found. I, I found guess, something incredibly stupid, pointless, and stupid. Yes, and to that we say. Stupid! You're so stupid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> couple of notes. <laughs> you, can, you don't have to introduce each sound clip. Well, I, I'm doing to that. A, we say. I'm doing to that, him. We say. To, I'm doing that for your benefit, so you know what's coming up. I don't want to surprise you and give you a heart attack. Actually, I appreciate that. <laughs> I've had a few of those. Yes, you have. <laughs> I'm thinking of it now as a weight loss option, but I only wanted to say that as a joke. I didn't want to. Oh, so anyway. Oh God. We Steve now. Was so right. This is added an hour. Yeah. <laughs> And let me tell you what I said. There, my my intent was that you would you would we we you and I would do this on a Wednesday or a Tuesday or on a whatever day it happens on, and that w- upon editing you always give such a big introduction anyway. And now we move on to it's like a seventies game show host. So 
there's time in there that it's built in. It's just in the nature of what you're doing that there's a moment there where you can play the sound effect or you can, but a sound effect. I wasn't talking about 34 second clips. I was talking okay. about the sound effect. But I'm, but, you know, or crash of lightning or the scream of the. Well, I'll be playing shorter ones of the ones I played you tonight, but yeah. I was just playing them for you could hear them for your benefit. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But it, that they shouldn't happen live. Okay. That they should happen as part of the editing instead. Oh. Do you know no, what I'm saying? more fun this way. Really? Yeah. You think the people are going to think? You think that's going to get us up to Montreal? Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, we now move on to our next segment. I'm still rooting for you, Alabama. We now move on to Five Faves. Okay, Five Faves. This was a tough one. Roses, whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> that was good thunder. <laughs> Great clip. Perfectly appropriate. Wonderful marvelous. Oh, you totally approve. No, it's a clip, not a sound effect. It needs to... <laughs> what is it it's called? Five Faves? <laughs> yes. Five Faves. Maybe Raindrops on Roses. <laughs> Duh. That's it. Just the raindrops on roses. It's too long. It, it, they, they, yeah. Okay. Unless, again, you want to slide it in underneath. Play it as it exits one segment and moves itself into another. I'll play around with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, fuck with that shit. I don't know anything about it, but that's... that's you know, All of a sudden, I've got Cecil B. DeMille here directing me. I'm saying <laughs> suggestions of things. Did you want me not to give you any notes? Or was just I just... always appreciate your notes. They are so helpful. Only only <laughs> atopped by your eye roll as you deliver that piece of shit line. Go ahead, Shakespeare. Where are we talking about? Well, today on Five Phase, being Five that phase. today is International Museum Day. Okay. You were asked to name your five favorite museums. Like can name. At least three or four. At least three or four? Yes. Well, what's your first one? Beth Page Village Restoration. Holy shit! That's my number one choice. How do you have that as your number one choice? <laughs> <laughs> okay. We both grew up on Long Island. Yes, we did. It's the standard... Let me ask you this question. Did you go to Safety Town? Safety Town? No, I never went to Safety Town. That was in Eisenhower Park, right? That was in Eisenhower Yeah, I never went to Safety Town. That was a fantastic fucking field trip. I used to go there when we, you know, smoked a little bit, and then we'd go to the park, and, ooh, there's Safety Town. Right. Now, imagine <laughs> that when you're active, and you've got the kids in the cars, and the and the traffic, and the town is alive, and moving, and learning stop, and slow, and... Yeah. Yeah. Safety Town was fucking awesome. <laughs> Okay, it was fucking awesome, and so was Beth Page Village. Village. Yeah. I love the restoration. I've been going there since the early 70s. I remember we went on a class field trip there once for, they were doing, um, like, a holding election, like the election of 1850 or something like that. Okay, that was and fun. none of the girls could, like, take part in the election. Those of course The girls not. weren't allowed to vote. That's exactly so right. So they showed up outside the building where the, the election was being held with protest signs. Okay. <laughs> and it actually made it into Newsday. Nice. <laughs> it was very funny. I don't know how historically accurate that was. No, I'm been. sure there was no one protesting the elections back then like For that. For that village at that time. Right. Those women were probably... But I love the restoration. I mean, I had my I wedding I had my wedding pictures taken there. It's a, it's a great site. If you've never been there... 
go there. It's a beautiful day say, like today was. Wasn't your first marriage at the... My only marriage, yes. We, well, we we weren't married at the restoration, but we had all our wedding pictures taken Taken there. at that time. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I got some yeah, great I love that. There. That was a great trip. That it really always, is. That was always a great trip. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically the recreation of a early to mid nineteenth century farming village on Long Island, and it consists of all various original homes and buildings from Long Island from those periods. Now, some of these bitches moved for miles to get to. Long oh Island. yeah, I mean they came from far out east. They, they've taken from even like from the Queens, Brooklyn, Connecticut, along barns and shit from Connecticut. And they recreate this, and they have people in there acting like the people. And it's the first time I ever had birch beer. Yes, birch beer. They served that in the inn there, the new whatever they call the inn there. And there was something. Was was that there was a trip where it had to be here? I saw a calf being born. Oh yeah, well they have an actual working farm on there. It's run by college students, I believe. The night that Hampton, the the day that my whatever grade class of Hampton Street Elementary School visited the place in Bethany, the calf was born the moment I was standing in front of oh, the pen. Well, the site of the restoration is where the Powell Farm there is located. That's one of the the sites on it, is the okay. Powell Farm. What that, kind of farm, though? Is it a dairy farm? I don't know. I don't know what kind of farm it was. But, so, so the restoration, they basically built, I think, around that original farm area okay. there. Okay, Yeah, that was traumatic. Watching a calf get born? I can imagine. Yeah. No, I don't think you can. <laughs> okay. I I'll don't think, think you can. I'll imagine what it. that day. Yeah, but still, I love that. I love that museum. I love yep. the idea. I love that Big it thumbs works. up for it. Yeah. I will go on to my second choice, which is the Theodore Roosevelt House in Sagamore Hill. I've never been there. You've never been? Is it horrible? No. Oh, my God. It's, I know. It's The home is great to see. Everything in there is just a wonder to see. I always remember the one thing he had there was a little small glass case with a hair from Abraham Lincoln. Oh, dear. Yeah, I remember that always being there. Wow. But it's funny because we were there maybe about a year or so ago, probably about a year ago, because you can actually bring your dog onto the grounds of the home, and there are all these trails and paths that go all the way through the property, all the way down to like this whole uh, water area, basically, a small beach. Teddy would have wanted his property covered in animal shit. Well, I'm sure he did. Of I mean, course it, was a, did. it was a huge property. And, you he, know? and he was a huge conservationist. Yes, he, he was. He was all about the animals. But the home the home is actually beautiful. It's a shame when Sagamore I went there. Hill. Yeah, Sagamore Hill. Originally, the home had this great view of Long Island Sound, but they let the view overgrow. Which I was like, ah, what a shame. Are you serious? For the price of getting a couple of people in there with some hedge clippers, they can't. Well, it's all these huge trees that just like grew there and like kind of like blocked the view and they let it grow there. I was like, ah, oh, that was the original view of the, from the house. So that's what it should look like, I mean, you know? That's the, and that was the kind of day and the kind of house that you built because of the view you had. Yeah, exactly. From that hill. Right? And now that view is gone. And now the view is gone. Yeah. Or to anyway changed. But I highly recommend going there. It's right, it's right here on the North Shore. Uh, Western Suffolk County, I believe, or okay. Eastern Nassau. It's like right on the border there, I think. But I give it a big recommendation. Okay, big. So what's your second choice? The Natural History. That's one of my choices as well, Museum of Natural History in Manhattan. Easy one. It was a class trip. 
couple of times. It's always that was my first exposure. Class trip. You got to see the whales. You get to see how real life Native Americans lived on the land. Yeah, all the cultural exhibits. All yeah, all kinds of things. And it was always a. You know what? A lot of it was like, holy shit, this building is awesome. The whole building is. I mean, it's an old building. They hang this fucking whale in the middle of this. I'll tell you a story. The first time I went there, I was on a field trip, and I forget how I was on like that floor. I hadn't been in that room, and I was looking for somebody, and all of a sudden I just like turn into this room, and all I see is this big, huge whale in front of me. And I was like in awe. I was like, holy shit! Could not believe it. That yeah, that always is like, oh my god, this. Put me right in awe right away. There are millions of us who have that impression. Yeah. It's, uh, and I think that's the point of the trip. Yep. Just to see that. Just and then, to see that. And now we have to fill 90 minutes so the bus driver, so let's go, you know. But there go. is so much to see in that. Exhibit. Oh, my God. It's, there it's, really it's, is. I've never, I've never seen the whole thing. I never will see the whole thing. It's a huge thing. museum, you it's know? It's enormous. It's the same as my next choice, which is, oh, God, is is it? It's okay. On the park on the east side, museum the National Museum. It's not It's not of art. It's not NOMA. Okay. But it's got all of the... Is it the Whitney? No. The Guggenheim? Yeah, no, but that's that's one of my favorites anyway. Uh, the Cloisters? No. I don't know what you're talking museum about. Of, museum of Art? It could, could it just be the Museum of well, Art? Well, there's the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I think that may be the one we're talking about. Because that's okay. the one where you walk in and there's all the sculptures of all the Heines and all Yes, the, yes, yes, yes. That's uh, the Metropolitan, I believe. The setting. Of that building. And then that building with the indoor outdoor area that it's hard to explain. Yes. Yeah, that's. I went there alone one day. Oh, wow. You could spend, yeah. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a great museum to get lost in. And yeah, and it's an easy museum to get lost right? in. And it's, you know, but because you go from one thing to the next. So. Well, because it covers different time periods and genres of art. So, yeah, there is so much to so, see yeah. to get lost in. Yeah, and it's, it's an enormous place. Yep. So, yeah. And what was it? The, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. The Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is not the same thing as the Museum of Modern Art. Which is my next choice on my list. Okay. I've Moba. Never, I've never. Museum of, you've never been to MoMA? That's where I finally saw Dali's uh, painting, The Persistence of Memory. Okay. Uh, after all the traveling, went to Philadelphia to go see it. And, the the and then, and then I finally saw it right here and in here Manhattan. It is right here in Manhattan. <laughs> but it's a great modern art collection from early to mid 20th century. These great collection of art. I can't rave enough about it. It's incredible collection. Okay. It really is. I mean, it's world renowned. Yeah, it's, and rightly so. Yeah. It, re- it deserves its reputation. Okay. It really does. We're now in your final choice, I believe. St. Peter's. St. Peter's. St. Peter's Basilica and the Vatican. That's not a museum. It absolutely is a museum. Wait, have you been to it? I have been there. I've stood there. When I walked through the big brass doors and turned to my right and saw the the Pieta, Michelangelo's Pieta, sitting in front of me. You can't tell me it's not a museum. Okay, I'll give you it's a museum. It's a fu- and it's a fucking fantastic place. <laughs> it is unbelievable, this place. I'm sure. It has I, to be. I, and I'm talking from the time you enter the doors, just to get, and you know, you go down like a wall. 
Yep. And then you, you two hours later, you're under the dome. And then you keep going down the wall. And the wall has all these nooks and these things in it that you get going. And, and burial places of popes and, and the art. And there's not an inch of wall space, of any vertical space that is not, of any space that is not decorated. And it's all antiquity. Okay. It's a, it's a, an amazing place. It's an amazing place. <coughs> From the front door to the altar and back. You don't have to go any further. Like, that's as far as I went. And yeah. An amazing fucking oh place. Oh, my God. Art everywhere. Cool. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool. It was cool. All right. What's yours? My final choice is kind of hard to describe as one museum because it's actually the whole area, the town is made up of museums. The grounds are a museum. I'm talking about the Gettysburg Battlefield. Oh. I went there back in the 70s. Okay. As a kid. How much is there? The Gettysburg? Yeah. Well, basically, it's the whole town of Gettysburg. That's where the battle took place. Okay. And in the surrounding fields and areas and stuff. It's all there. The town's there. The battlefields are all preserved. There are monuments all over the place, people's backyards and front in front of stores and on streets. Okay, of where various troops were stationed. Okay, it's it was an amazing experience to go see Gettysburg. It I really imagine was. being in the Anne Frank house to be a similar type. Holy shit, type moment. Yeah, well, this was like I mean, there are building museums that you can go to and stuff, but to me, touring the battlefields itself, because I. I'm a civil. I'm somewhat of a civil war buff, and the battle, so I know about a lot of the battle. The battle, the battlefields themselves were the attraction for you. Yeah, and what's on a battlefield? Nothing really. Just it just shows you the areas where these battles took place and stuff, like Little Round Top and Big Round Top. Those are some of the sections where these battles took place. Okay, and but when you go there to stand there, it's just a it's just a hill. It's just, you're just looking at, yeah. Because at that time... But some of them have markers of where troops were stationed. At that time, two two opposing armies would meet on one end or a field of the other. Yeah. And they would attack each other in the middle and count up whoever was standing or whoever was there last wins. And that's how a battle took place. But what's there now is just the space, the physical space where that happened. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they preserve all these battlefields now. So it's like nice lawn. Like what? What? Like, <laughs> like what, is it like the space between where you tee off and where the green is? It's like, not like looking at a golf course. I mean, okay. there are hills and trees all over the place. It's it's not what you would call smooth terrain at all. But it is park like. Yes, you could say it's park like. Definitely. Okay. Parks are nice. But I mean, I enjoyed the museums too. I mean, they showed the one hole, like what. With this one like shell, like went through all these barristers and like these front columns in the house, okay. and they say they saved all the barristers, all these columns. That's fine. And the shell, they saved them. Huh. These are the kind of things they had. I don't know if I remember a guy named Charlie Weaver. Never met him. He was sort of a comic comedian or whatever. He used to be on uh, Hollywood Squares. Okay. He had a museum down there in which he made all these handmade replicas of soldiers and staged like battle reenactments. What were they made out? I don't know. Whatever they made those kind of things out of that. I'm thinking right now like he models. crocheted them. Like models, you know? Not crochet. I No, not crochet. Did he like, carve little ornament? <laughs> yes, I okay. guess he carved. I don't know what. I don't Wood, know how to get stone, it. stone, marble. I don't know! 
Go ahead. The Zen room. Jesus Christ. So that sounds uh, fun. Yes. Uh, uh, it is. It's a, it's a great place to go see. I've never been to Gettysburg. The closest I've we, been. We spent like five days down there because there was just so much to see. Who'd you go with? My parents. Okay. How yeah, old were you? I was probably like in fifth or sixth grade. Full on nerd. Yep. Okay. Yep, definitely. All right. Yep. The closest I've ever been was to pick up Louie. Okay. The breeder was like four <laughs> miles from Gettysburg. So we did that in a day. We drove over there, picked up the dog, drove back. That's as close as I can give you as an experience of Gettysburg. <laughs> sure, Shamam is here. Uh-oh. No, we're doing good, good man. We're good. We're getting near the end. You're good. Thank God. Stephen, this is taking forever. Help I know. Me. We're over two hours already. Help me. We now move on to our next segment, which, of course, is the Grumpy old gay man oh. gripe of the week. I'm not prepared for this. Oh. Yep. How was that? Perfect. Perfect? You're perfect. <laughs> we should stop talking. The sound should play. And we should pick back up here in the studio. Yes. And that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, okay, good. So, what is your gripe of the week, Thomas? Uh, you know what, Patrick? I'm cranky. I'm old. My knee hurts. Uh, the weather. Uh, I'm cranky. I'm cranky and... You just sound like a cranky old man. <sighs> You're too young to be that cranky. You're younger than me, for God's sake. Yeah, but, you know, how much difference is there between rocks? Like This ages? rock has a cow valve, do you? I don't have a cow valve. So there. All right, so... <laughs> I can't stand on my left leg. You know, like, my left leg wakes me up in the middle of the night, screaming. My knee, it's my knee specifically. Okay. Okay, so, I'm just, it's just, it's everything. It's just everything. So, that's my gripe. It's just fucking everything. It's just everything. Okay. <laughs> it's wow. hard, Patrick. Everything hurts. Everything is expensive. Every, nothing is easy. Everything breaks at the same time. Everything needs to be purchased. Everything. Patrick, everything. Everything. What a pussy. Fuck you. <laughs> Call me a pussy. Fuck you. <laughs> What's your gripe of the week, Mr. Genius? My gripe is I am now, in the past couple of weeks, getting text ads on my phone. Okay. You know when companies send you yeah. messages? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always get the, you know, of course, the voicemail messages, of course. But now I'm getting text messages. Okay. Fuck that. That's what, bullshit. What are you going to do? There's nothing I can do. Okay. I can't even block the numbers on some of them. Really? Yeah. Some of them come up, there's like nothing to block. What are they advertising? I don't even remember. Nothing that I want. Are you sure? Yeah. Because they're pretty good at figuring out what you want. There's nothing I want up from them. Trust me. Okay. And no Viagra pills? <laughs> don't need them. What are they you. trying to sell you? I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't want the ads on my fucking phone. I get enough messages during the day for personal matters, business matters. I don't need this bullshit. Okay. It's bad enough I get the phone messages. I don't need the fucking text messages. Okay. Good for you. You're busy enough to be aggravated by that. Yes. Some of us. That's like the highlight of the day. Oh, so you would crave getting a text message ad. No, I, I, you. I would make your day. Yeah. Is that your argument here? <laughs> no, of course not. That would be ridiculous. I'm saying that the ads pretty much know what you want. You know what I'm saying? Like they have you targeted. I don't so, care. Okay. I, okay. I don't need to be targeted on my phone. You know? Where else are you? I mean, if you're down on your phone. 
I get enough ads on the computer, on the PC, on the internet. I get enough ads on television. Okay. I get enough ads on radio. And I pay for all these services. I pay for the TV, for the radio services, exactly. for the computer services. And I'm still getting these fucking ads. The ads. So so the ads bother you. Yeah, I get, I, they get to be annoying after a while. They okay. really do. All right. That's fair because there's a lot. And it's relentless. But I've, I mean, I've tolerated for so long as it's been going on for so long. But I said, the most recent thing has been now is like the, the, the text ads Text now. ads. I don't fucking need that. That's bullshit. That's where, that's where the world is now. Yeah, I know. Everything's about texting. They Nobody answers. Uh, it's funny because I saw something I think today about this is why nobody answers their phone anymore. No. No one ads because they all text now. So now this is what the companies are doing now. All now, right. They're not going to answer their phone. They, we're going to get them this way. Right, right. Nobody's answering so we'll text them. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Like, that's <laughs> just stop. Just stop. They got to get to you. You you have to see that. I'm tired of being hit with capitalism 24 fucking 7, you know? It's they, they you have to see them. You you have to lay eyes. Aye. Uh, yeah. There are people like that. So. I know. You know. Aye. I'm with you, though. It's annoying. It's <laughs> right? annoying. It's annoying. For sure. Yep. For sure. Anyway. For sure. This brings us to the conclusion of our show today. Okay. Does that make you happy, Tommy? Do you have a sound effect? Uh, I don't know if I do have a sound oh, effect for go, that. we got to go to iTunes first. How about this? Get this, get this, get this. Uh, you don't like that one? I actually, it's too long. I like the sound a How lot. How about this it's one? It's just inappropriate for the moment. Okay. I... I... I could live with this for like looking to my briefs. <laughs> That's much a lot. Oh, you want that for looking to my briefs? I, yeah, I want something horrifying for looking to my briefs. Something <laughs> scary and or the result of scariness. That how about this? How about this for our finale? Will you turn? No, come on. Come on, you fuck with classy fucking fans. Yeah, what was I thinking? You're going to play farts. For fuck's sake. Oh. Oh, oh baby. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. I have no response. Oh, uh, and the next sound effect is here. Nice. Nice. You can almost see it splashing in the lad's face. As the tinkly sound comes in. I'll work on a cue for the yeah, finale. We gotta, yeah, yeah. I'll work on I that. don't think you should jump into this shit raw like this. <laughs> you know, some of these are embarrassingly bad. <laughs> I'm just... You know, I'm giving you my notes. You're going to present it to me live on the air through the winter web uh, edited in two days later? Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you. Thank you. All right, so what else we got to do? Who we got to do? That's your, it. It's the end of husband. our show. Thank you, husband. We want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast, for all that he does, including feeding us pastry and cookies tonight. Announce the parade. Announce the what? Parade. Oh, fuck. yes. We're going to be marching in the Long Island Pride Parade. Hold on. Yes. We're going to be visible. We're going to be marching. I object to the term marching. All right, Tommy will be in the Jeep. The rest of us able body souls will be marching. Come meet us. Tommy's a lazy fuck who keeps on complaining about, oh, I'm in danger, I don't feel good because he doesn't get any exercise. Somebody walk the dog. <laughs>
Louis going to be there. Come see Louis. Yes, Louis will be there. Louis is going to love to see you. But it takes place on Sunday, June 12, I believe at noon and starts. It's very appropriate time for the fags to start a parade. Yep, and there'll be a, I believe the parade is right down Main Street in the village of Farmingdale. There's going to be a, I guess, a rallying concert afterwards in the what village green say? area. There's like the most... The pop, most popular downtown village area on Long Island. That's is what I've heard. Yes, down? that's what I've heard. Yes, not hunting, which I understand is is quite an active social scene in the village. Not Babylon. Nope, but Farmingdale. Farmingdale. Yes, there's quite a lot of social establishments here in the town. Fascinating. Yes, there are. Fa- they're trying to do that in Lindenhurst. They're trying so hard to do that in Lindenhurst. Oh, I know they are. Well, they have the base of the three anchor, the three theaters now to work from too. Well, yeah, but that's a base for no town or village ever <laughs> in the history of mankind. Our theaters, for fuck's sake! It's the first time for everything, Tommy. It's, it's the it's the layout of that town that's working against it. But anyway, oh yeah, I know. But anyway, Farmingdale. So yeah, June twelfth. Sunday, June 12th at noon, I believe. We'll be... Okay, so hold on. How are they going to identify us? Ernie's, Ernie's going to drive us in We're going to have Jeep. a Jeep. We're going to have a, a sign in front of the Jeep saying, you know, grumpy old Who game. Who we are. Dogs. Something identifying We're going to have our t-shirts. We're going to have to... What color are the t-shirts? They're going to be pink with black lettering. Okay. You have a problem with pink? Not at all. <laughs> I thought pink was appropriate. Well, pink is perfectly appropriate. Right. What color is the Jeep? Jeep, I don't know the color of the Jeep. How is he Dark. Gonna, how, how is he going to decorate the Jeep? I don't know. I haven't asked him yet. Probably using some of those 500 flags that you bought us. Ernie himself is going to decorate the Jeep? It'll probably be Ernie, me, and Stephen. At Ernie's, At Ernie's supervision. Uh, yeah. It'll okay. probably be done either at his house or done here at our I've house. I've seen Ernie's Christmas trees and, and house decorations for the holidays, and I think that the excess to which he goes is perfectly appropriate for a gay pride parade. Yes, so it I is. have confidence in that. Good. I'm glad you right. do. So, and there'll be a place for me to ride. So yes, we'll make walk. sure that there's a seat for you. And we're going to walk slow we'll enough. We'll make sure so there's that. an oxygen tent there for you as well. Okay, so I'm being serious. It, and I'm, we'll keep a walker in the back for we you. Can't, we can't move faster than Louis can walk. Then how do you keep up with them? No, he's, he's the thing. I'm going to be sitting in the car with my leash and he's going to be walking next to me. <laughs> next to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to work. All right, so then he'll sit with me. It doesn't matter. I'm just trying to... He's not going to sit. Are you kidding? He's going to want to walk. He's going to bark at everything. Well, that's why you're going to have him walk. All right. He'll be fine. Come. Hopefully other people will bring their dogs down to walk with us. No, Louis does not like other dogs. Well, neither does Abigail, but it's really not up to them. It's about the parade. Come meet Louie. And come meet Abigail. Take a picture with Louie and Abigail. Exactly. <gasps> we should have pictures. Yes, we should have a picture booth set up. Yes. You want to pay for that? With the dogs. Yeah, you want to pay for that? Can we Can we do it in the Jeep? We have, no, we can't. We have to register. If you want to do something like that, where you got to stop and at the Village Green and stuff... You have to register for a booth. Okay, and we we didn't get a booth. No. We got a spot in the parade. We just got a spot in the parade. And then we're going to march on Ernie's Jeep. Yep. All right, I'm with it. Cool. Louie's going to be there. Yep. I so bought an umbrella special. That's wonderful. Uh, uh, so you can find us. Yes. We're gonna, I will be the Jeep with the huge um, uh, rainbow golf umbrella, which will not be sort of rare that day, I'm sure. I'm but sure. I, I bought it because it's, it, let's face it, it's Sunday. Yes. It's the middle of the day. It's high noon. Yes. It 
June. Yes. Okay. It could be really sunny and hot. Yes, it usually is. And I will need the shade. God knows. So I bought a huge golf umbrella in rainbow colors and pop and pow and bam, bitches. Are you going to bring your wheelchair? I'm going to be under the umbrella. No, I'm not going to bring my wheelchair. Your walker, your cane? Mm, I'm going to bring a cane. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Easier to beat you with, my dear. <laughs> you have to catch me first. I may yet be. I may yet be a king. <laughs> no, Patrick, for real, my knee's that bad. Like for real. Oh no. Have you seen a doctor? I have seen a doctor. And what's the doctor told you? Doctor. I have arthritis in my knees. Ah, that explains it. Yes. Does he have you on any medication for it's it? It's extremely. It's it's extremely intrusive. Have you, has he prescribed any kind of treatment that you can do at home? For Evidently, it? it hasn't reached that level yet. Ah. Okay. I'm on a, you know, take your, take your uh, Tylenol. Yeah, well, I, have, I have it in my knee. I've been diagnosed with pain. it in my, in my yeah, left knee at yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at that sort of baby stage. Yeah. I, I, if this is the baby stage, I don't want to live to see <laughs> the big boy grown up pain of what this shit is. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm not lying. And that's why I've had a cranky day. Oh, because you're getting old. Lead me out. <laughs> We want to thank everybody for listening. You know, you can always follow us on our Facebook and Twitter feeds, where we usually post daily on there. Like we're right now posting for Jewish American Heritage Month. Who's going to be here when I'm not here? When? Week after next. Um, I'll tell you about that later. It's not important. No, I want to know. Daniel and Stephen will be here. Daniel and Steven. Yes, and we're going to record during the day. I don't know. I don't care. I don't give a fuck about when you do when I'm not here. Then why are you asking me? How are you covering me? Because I want to know who's going to be. Steve will be covering for you. Daniel will be covering. Fine. Yes. That's a perfectly reasonable answer. I don't know why you had to be all sinister and shady. Because you're the one who brought your voice down here and leaned in like it was something covert we were discussing. Okay. Anyway, have a good night. Have a good week. Have a good life. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye, bitches. Thank you.